picture that one. Will you pray with me? Speak to us, God. Speak to us in the listening and the watching, the hoping and the longing, the sighing and the rejoicing. Speak to us by and through your word. Amen. I'm pretty sure that the Apostle Paul had one of the most impossible jobs ever. He would come into a community and get to know those people. He would set up small groups, help them grow and thrive. He would identify leaders and assign roles based on people's gifts. He would love them, and then he would leave. And today, parts of Paul's jobs, especially the leaving part, is feeling kind of familiar. Saying goodbye is never, ever easy. And according to the book of Acts, Paul had different reasons for leaving the communities behind. Sometimes he had to slip out of town in the dark of night to get away from the authorities, hoping none of the Strausses are doing that. <laughs> Did y'all hear me? <laughs> Sometimes, according to Acts, he felt called by the Holy Spirit to leave one place and go to another. And whatever the reason for Paul's departure, I'm sure he did it with mixed emotions, because leaving is never, ever easy. Even when you're really excited about where you're going. And I stand here before you now with my office packed up and emptied. And I'm certain that Paul felt comforted by a few things, but primarily by the bonds he had created within these communities. He knew they would endure even when he left. They might not be seeing each other regularly to talk to one another, but they would pray for each other, and they would stay connected through this crazy thing we do and call church. Paul did not have a bishop or a superintendent looking over his shoulder, and today our denominations ask us not to communicate with our former congregations for a year or so, it's a good thing coming from a good place. We want to give the new pastors a chance to bond in their new communities without hurting anyone. But Paul didn't have a bishop, so he was allowed to write letters, which we're very fortunate he did. But if you think about the slow pace of communication back then, there was probably less of an immediate impact anyway. Paul would write or dictate a letter and he would give it into the hands of a trusted leader, and he would send that trusted leader out to the community holding that letter. The messenger would arrive and give the letter to the community, and we think now that that leader was expected to help Paul's plans and Paul's advice get put into place. But the whole thing would have taken at least a month, if not longer. That's a month if the weather was good. And today we communicate so differently. Everything's instantaneous. I mean, back then, Paul couldn't change his Facebook status to read, Dear people of Thessaloniki, don't lose hope. Thessaloniki strong. Love, Paul. He couldn't tweet, hashtag slave lives matter in support of Philemon. 
He couldn't use Instagram or Snapchat to send the Corinthians a frowny face with the caption, don't make me come over there. <laughs> no, Paul had it the slow way. He had to write these letters and get them back to those communities. And he wrote for a lot of different reasons. But the bottom line was that Paul loved and cared about the people. And he wanted to see them thrive in his absence. He had hope for their future. Otherwise, why bother to go through this process? He did see them as having some problems and issues. There's no gathered community that doesn't. But they weren't impossible. He saw them as having reconcilable differences. And today in this letter we heard, Paul starts the passage with a discussion of unity. He wants the people to have uni unity, but he says not necessarily uniformity. There's a difference. Listen to what he said. For as one in body, you have many members, and not all the members have the same function. It will never happen, or the community would not grow and thrive. He wanted unity without uniformity. And then Paul goes on to mention these spiritual gifts in the community that he's heard about, prophecy in proportion to faith, ministry in ministering, the, the teacher in teaching, the exhorter in exhortation, the giver in generosity, the leader in diligence, and the compassionate in cheerfulness. And I think about Paul writing these letters, and remember he hadn't met the, the people he was writing to, and he was probably thinking about the stories and gifts he'd heard about from his other messengers. And his, in his mind, I picture him naming the people he's talking about. Lydia, now she's an administrator. And Aquila, now she can preach. And I imagine being in a similar position because of communication today and seeing some Facebook posts from some of you and pictures on Facebook and wanting to write to all of you. And I think if I were to do this, my letter might sound something like this. Lisa, called by God to be the associate pastor of Westlake United Methodist Church, to all of God's people in God's Church of United Parish in Brookline, grace to you and peace from God our Creator and God's Son, Jesus the Christ. Joyful news has reached my ears of the wonderful work you are all doing in Brookline and its surrounding communities. You continue to thrive and grow and defy the odds of all the Pew research. Pew research that has proclaimed New England the most unchurched area of the United States. How wonderful that you all continue to confound the statisticians with your growth. How wonderful it is to know that those of you with the gifts of compassion continue to serve the United Parish and beyond. That you minister to others in need and serve them selflessly. That you're not shy about prophesying, telling the truth about social justice issues, issues like the environment and racism and incarceration that you are acting as the hands and feet of Christ, as only those of us in the world can. I encourage you to continue stretching out in your ministry to others. 
and how wonderful it is to know that so many of you are gifted in teaching, that you so highly value the children and youth in our community, in your community, excuse me, <laughs> that you are selflessly signing up to shape and mold and transform the next generation of church leaders. There are also some of you out there devoted to developing the faith of the adults in your community as well, that you see learning as a lifelong endeavor, and you strive to find opportunities for everyone, young and old, to continue their Christian education. I encourage you to keep, continue modeling the way deepening your faith is a truly transformational experience. And how wonderful it is to see so many of you who value and treasure opportunities to come together in fellowship. That you want everyone to mirror the way Jesus often brought his followers together to share food and conversation and fellowship. That you want to make sure everyone who walks in the door of United Parish receives the warmest greeting. That you will help them understand just how special this place is. I encourage you to seek out those opportunities to gather together in fellowship. And finally, how wonderful it is that you're all so committed to putting aside the many things that can distract you or keep you busy on a Sunday morning. You refuse to sleep in. You don't go out for brunch. You just don't sit there reading the paper on Sunday morning. Instead, you prioritize God's call that you come here to this space to listen to words meant to uplift and exhort you to be diligent disciples, to lift your own voices in song, in prayer, and in liturgy. I encourage you to come here and fill your cup of grace and blessing during Sunday morning when you are exalting in worship, that your cup will spill over onto everyone you encounter throughout the week. Now often, Paul writes these letters, and he includes some wisdom and opportunity for rethinking and reforming a bit. So I might add this. Spread yourselves thick. To some, I say, do not be tempted to take on too much. I understand how much you love United Parish, and I want it to thrive, but be wary of burning yourself out by signing up for too much. To others, I might say, don't be so timid. Jump in with both feet. Remind yourself of the promises made at your baptism. Get your hands and feet a little wet doing ministry. Don't be afraid to dive in and spread yourself thick. And to a few, I might say, be wary of asking others to take on more. If someone is doing a lot of work in one ministry area, they may not have the resources to do that in another area. Let people specialize. Let them spread themselves thick. And finally, Paul liked to close his letters with a few personal greetings. We think he was lifting up the leaders of the community to try and give others 
the sense of authority in their leadership. He wants to say to them, here are your leaders that I left with you. They are chosen and they are so gifted. Listen to them and everything will be fine. So in that vein, I might continue. Give my greetings to Tom and Casey. They work so tirelessly and lovingly on the beautiful building in which you gather. And greet Marla, whose cheery southern hospitality never wanes and who constantly strives to please everyone. Send greetings to Brian and Claudine, her workers in the office. And greet Sydney, there she is, who is absorbing everything like a thirsty sponge so that she might take these lessons with her into ministry. Nurture her. You are shaping her future. Greet Susan, whose gifts and skills in music provide sustenance for all of you. And greet Kent, whose vision and passion and compassion for ministry will bring this community forward into growth and prosperity. Peace be to the whole community and love with faith from God. The grace of Jesus the Christ be with you. My love be with you all. Amen.